Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Naked Marketers. Uh, you can now hear our show, if you haven't heard yet, on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, your iPad, your Android phone, your Kindle Fire, and more on demand and on the go. It's awesome. You don't have Stitcher. You can download it for free today, right now, at Stitcher.com or find it in the appropriate app store. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. last week yeah we didn't even touch base i know you know what happened it was it was because of the weird short week i i literally was one day off all week oh yeah i woke up and i i was way off all week it was wednesday on thursday morning and i i i honestly just by the time friday came around when i remembered and i realized it was friday uh i was i was too embarrassed to call you (laughs) I, i was pretty much in the same boat actually kind of funny but yeah no, Thursday just sort of went by and I realized, yeah, that the next day was going to be Friday and I still had a whole bunch of things I hadn't gotten to and it was kind of a waste of a week in a lot of ways. But Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so what do we, you want to talk about uh, iBooks. This yeah, is the, I, the iBooks show. Is it? Yeah, should it Let's be? Let's do it. Yeah, okay. I, right. I think I'm just really curious to hear... Uh, you know, one of the things that you're so good at is something comes out and you not only, you know, sort of do your research and, and find out how to use it and um, and whether or not it's of use to you, but you have a great ability, I think, to sort of see what can this be become, I guess, like what are, what's the future of this? And, and I'm so curious because I've looked at uh, this program, I actually downloaded it and um, have done a little reading about it. Um, played around with it some and I'm just really curious I I think that a lot of people uh, the 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 higher level or or sort of outside comments that I hear are you know will this or won't this destroy like you know major textbook publishers uh, or will they or won't they adopt it but it just seems like the early reactions that I'm seeing that are really favorable are individuals who are working on kind of, you know, more of a, a smaller scale. Um, you know, I mean, it's a desktop publishing tool, essentially, even though it's sold as a, as purely a textbook tool. But w- what are your thoughts about it? I mean, wh- how do you think this maybe affects, is, is there like a new sort of um, industry afoot here or? Man, is it not that exciting or what do you think? Uh, no, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's really exciting. Um, but, but I think there are so many different pieces, uh, to the discussion and, and, uh, especially in terms of, um, you know, from, from a marketing perspective, you know, cause first, okay. So what is it? iBooks, uh, iBooks two, uh, is the new version of the, the app on the iPad and iPhone that adds a, you know, a few sort of little features and on the iPad one big feature and that is the ability to read these um, multimedia heavy or I should say multimedia friendly uh, digital textbooks uh, that Apple is providing and uh, it, it it's a sea change in a in a couple of ways from a publishing perspective uh, it really did as you said I mean that they've they have taken the um, 
they've taken the publishing paradigm and sort of turned it on its ear. And, uh, you know, it used to be that there were many, uh, many professors and educators and, and writers collaborating on a, on a textbook and it all comes together and gets laid out and, um, in, 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 you know, major tools and it's, you know, tools that the end user doesn't have access to, uh, and, or, or, or too expensive, I should say too expensive to purchase. Um, and, published into the big hardbound book and the cost of the book is then uh, I get as the word amortized over the course of about a five-year period I mean what they're assuming is these textbooks are going to be in circulation for five years and so the textbooks end up being you know hundred dollars to take into the account that the textbooks are going to be you know purchased once and then not purchased again from the publisher for about five years I think that's the publisher assumption and I, I could be wrong on that. I'm, I, you know, I'm. This is. I'm. I'm just sort of piecing together the argument. What? Meaning, someone buys it new, yeah. and then they resell it for a five-year period. Right, and and that's why publishers end up cost, uh, you know, charging so much for te- a, a single individual textbook because they know that even though there is a resale market for these textbooks, right, on the student side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I could, as a university or high school student, go sell my textbook for and get 60 bucks out of it, maybe, uh, on the resale market. The publisher doesn't see any more of that, you know, on any more of that per book income. So the, the costs are very high because they're only selling one, you know, edition of textbooks every five years. That That's how the, how, how the model typically works. So what did Apple do? Apple said, you know what, Tech, the, the burden of textbooks, uh, you know, is, is weighing down the educational system for a number of reasons. Uh, it is, the, the content is out of date way too quickly, uh, particularly now when students can, can get verifiable updates to that information on the web, uh, on Wikipedia, on, you know, other sources, textbooks end up looking really stale really fast. How can we fix that? Uh, we know the burden of the cost is is high. We know the burden of the weight of paper textbooks is high. And, and it's not about necessarily the fact that kids are whining today about the fact that they have to carry a bunch of textbooks around that are heavy. I mean, you and I had to carry heavy textbooks. But what happens when you have a number of heavy textbooks in an era in which more and more schools are going lockerless, right, uh, because of security concerns? And this is something I had not thought about. Uh, but when when more and more schools end up going with uh, locker free, requiring kids to carry their books around with them in these big backpacks all the time, instead of having a drop off place, um, mm. they end up not bringing their books at all. And so that is a trend that we're seeing uh, impacting the educational environment. And and so these are all sort of this the, these planets that are orbiting uh, in this in this confluence of of uh, atmospheric effects that are that are putting weight on the educational infrastructure and the textbook infrastructure in, in, in our system. And so Apple said, what if we could make the, uh, create a digital ecosystem for digital distribution of textbooks uh, on our equipment, on the iPad, so that students could access the uh, you know, textbook information quickly and easily. They could have the technolo- uh, the, the infrastructure to or, or the ability in here to make notes and, and uh, have uh, do highlighting and to you know, create sort of flashcard sets out of their notes that, so they can you know, better interact with the material that they are, that they are digesting. 
make content publishers, uh, give content publishers an easier tool to actually, um, you know, develop these books uh, and more quickly take the books from concept to distribution, um, you know, to sort of grease the skids and, and get rid of some of the um, some of the bureaucratic publishing overhead that exists in the system of paper publishing. Uh, so that was that's that's kind of what happened, and so what they released is uh, is this you know iBooks two, which I've talked about, and iBooks Author, which is the desktop publishing tool. And iBooks Author really is um, it's sort of this amalgam of Pages and Keynote, uh, which are the you know the uh, PowerPoint and Word alternatives on on the Mac. It is a Mac only tool, iBooks Author, and it is designed really to create complex textbooks um, you know quickly that is what it is and what it is not is an EPUB publishing tool it is not something that I think the end user writer like Stephen King is going to sit down and write a book in iBooks author that is not what it is and and that I think was was my sort of number one um, frustration um, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting long-winded. Am I? Am I still on track? Yeah. It, it's. It's. Um, this is actually more. I think. Well, that was all very interesting information that I hadn't thought through at all, and it's got me thinking about a lot of the different um, issues that are at play here, and, and kind of what what behind the thinking. But this is where I get really curious. Is kind of where you're at right here. I mean, what is this not? What could it be? You know. Yeah. What, what might be some even unexpected uses of this? I don't know. Well, and that's that's the part that that still has me sort of pu- puzzling. I you know the the cost structure that they have introduced with iBooks Author is fascinating. Let's just say you are a textbook author. Like let's let's assume that you are you are an an expert educator and you have a textbook that you want to write. iBooks Author really is the state of the art for creating digital textbooks. I. I, you know, having gone through the motions of creating a book uh, for educational purposes uh, in, at the university level in Kindle, uh, it, for, you know, designed for the Kindle in the Mobi format, uh, I can tell you that iBooks Author is stunning for this purpose. Limitations, obviously, that, you know, anything that comes out of iBooks Author cannot be read on the Kindle. If you want to create a Kindle version of the same text, you have to have a completely wholly separate uh, design process to create a Kindle version and an iBooks version, right? That That's really, you know, that's a frustration. Um, now, I end up, you know, when you're looking at a textbook, the preference, I think, when you look at them side by side, is to look at the the version on an iPad, not on a Kindle. So it, it really is. I mean, it's a it's a textbook tool. Uh, I can try and underscore that more, you know, by just using the words again in different order. I feel like I've said that a number of times. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, but the pricing is another issue that's fascinating. You know, we talked about the fact that the the traditional publishers, Pearson, you know, and 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 their ilk, look at a five year. Uh, sort of plan for for you know building their pricing into these paper textbooks. Well, I, Apple has said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take it back to a single book per single student for every class. Obviously, with a digital textbook, there is no resale market for for a digital textbook. So we're going to say, you know, we're not going to be thinking in terms of five years. We're going to think about one time immediate sale. Every student will be required to have their own copy of a textbook on their own iPad. 
And so we're setting a, uh, you know, we're setting a standard ceiling of fourteen ninety nine per book. So at, you know, at the outset, you think, oh my gosh, $100 per book versus $14.99 per book. At the high end, you're going to see textbooks for individual purchase that makes a lot more sense for students. They feel like they're not being taken advantage of by these textbook publishers. And at the same time, textbook publishers look at this and say, we could, we don't, you know, this works great for us because everybody's buying a textbook. There's no more resale market. So the pricing makes a whole lot of sense for us. This is great. Um, so the ecosystem, I think, that is evolving out of this makes a lot of sense. For a, an end user like myself, you know, if I have interest in actually publishing, uh, you know, my own textbook, I can now do that. Out of the iBooks author application, I can write my textbook, I can click the publish button, and I get three options. I can uh, export it to a PDF, which I can post and give away for free uh, on my website. I can export it to, uh, you know, see, I said three options, and I remember only two of them. What was the third one? I, Rick Perry. You said oops. four options. I said, no, I said, Rick Perry, really? <laughs> You're horrible. What, you you got you to get yourself to the third and then say, um. Uh, uh, Department of Education. Uh, so you can export it to, I'm going to share my iBooks. I'm going to export it. As an iBooks, as a PDF, or as plain text, and a plain text actually uh, splits out all of the all of the multimedia content you can add. And multimedia content is pretty rich. I mean, you can add any sort of HTML widget, HTML5 kind of widget, which allows you to bring in web content, so that it, you know you have this box that is constantly up to date with the very latest information. As long as you're online, it's that's fascinating. You can add quizzes. Uh, they have this fascinating little quiz widget, so you can test knowledge at the end of each chapter or section. You can add uh, dynamic slideshows, so you can swipe through pictures, uh, a slideshow in a particular. I mean, it's it's really, the interactivity is great. Um, so text, PDF, or iBooks. Now, the iBooks format uh, is, it is a variant of EPUB 3, which is, a you know, just sort of a file standard for electronic publishing uh, books. EPUB is an open standard. What Apple has done is attach some proprietary um, features to this EPUB 3, making an iBooks standard that only iBooks can use. That's why you can't act, technically, you can't actually take this iBooks file that you have spit out of iBooks author and put it on any other EPUB reader because the EPUB readers that are not iBooks on the iPad won't know what to do with it. Uh, now, what Apple has said is, if you are going to publish your iBook, you can do that all you want, all the live long day. You can give it away to every student you want for free. If you want to sell it, you can only sell it through the iBook store. And the standard uh, royalty distribution applies. Authors uh, get 70%, um, and Apple keeps 30% for dealing with the overhead of storing the file and building this great system and giving away, frankly, iBooks author, the application, for free uh, to build this tool. So, so that's sort of the state of things with iBooks. Now, as an individual user... I went through and I immediately, you know, built a book. I started, you know, dragging. You you just drag whole documents into the into the page outline, and they just they automatically come up. They format. You you know, click on a box, add a widget. I mean, it is it, it is as seamless uh, a, a design process as you can as you can imagine. And then you get to this point of get dumping out your content. And you realize, you know what? 
this is not the right tool for the job. If you just want to get something out to, you know, share your, um, you know, to share your story, if you have a book that you've written that is not complex, uh, you know, a complex structure, um, or even that is, but you want available to the widest ebook um, kind of uh, audience, uh, this this might not be the right tool. And that that's sort of frustrating because it's it didn't answer the thing that I want, which is a multi-purpose ebook authoring application that I can write books and then dump out to any platform, uh, Nook, Kindle, iBooks, anything. Well, that is frustrating. I guess you got to I guess at some point it wouldn't be impossible to think that, um, you know, Apple could update the program to make that more possible. I don't know because that, I mean, that's what I'm trying to think of is, is, um, and, and I guess when, when you talk about, uh, textbook authoring and that large scale, I think when you put the costs, uh, of, you know, hundred dollar textbooks and, and try to replace, uh, from the student or the school's perspective, maybe the student perspective, I think of college only, you know, where you could say, well, yeah, there's no question that if I buy, uh, or if I, as a school require students to own, um, an iPad for enrolling, uh, as part of their enrollment, I guess, um, they're going to be able to justify that cost, with these textbooks at some point in their college career. Uh, I don't know that, I, know, I think it's an important, it's an important aside though, to note who Apple is actually targeting here. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is it, is it the college student? Not I, yet, I, not yet. And when you look at the textbooks that are available now in the iBook store, uh, they are high school texts. And I think that's really, <laughs> really interesting because college is a, is kind of a different thing. You know, I mean, high school, there are a lot of, um, well, I guess the same sort of politics exist, um, you know, in both of these in, in, in higher ed as, as they do in, in high school and middle school. But, um, you know, what Apple has sort of done silently here is say, okay, you know, we're going to, we're going to help, uh, push the higher ed publishing along by completely changing the expectations of students before they actually get to college in the first place. You know, I mean, here's a generation of high school students who are going to be, you know, ideally, you know, according to Apple's motivations here, educated using textbooks on their iPads and paying, you know, uh, a what many have said is a very reasonable cost, sort of economic cost to get these textbooks and then they're going to get to college. And if, if the publishers have not caught up at the college level, you know, the expectations will have changed. I don't want to say, you know, revolt seems a little bit dramatic, but. Well, the tough thing here is that you take, you know, it's so easy to, to, I mean, look at a, say a marketing textbook and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to say a college level marketing textbook. If a five, if there's a five-year lifespan for a college level marketing textbook, after five years, the marketing landscape, I, I, just the last five years anyway, there's so much that as an instructor, your your textbook would be so out of date if you had to rely on a five-year-old textbook uh, to teach a course. Right. Um, well, here's an example. You know, I'm I uh, I'm teaching this. Uh, uh, marketing course. I don't know what you use in the marketing course you teach, but I, I use, uh, it's just a uh, contemporary marketing. Um, you know, it's the, 
Boone and Kurt's Contemporary Marketing uh, from Cengage. And it's a book I've used for years. Um, and I just got the new paper edition of it. And right on the cover, it actually has a great big 2013 on it. So, you know, here we are. I got this book in 2011. Right. I got the copy of this book in 2011. And here I already know that this paper book is not going to be updated. It's not going to be touched again through 2013. Now, I, I don't know about you, but my assumption going into this is that, uh, you know, I will not be using many of the case studies that are offered in this university level textbook by the end of 2012, let alone 2013. If, if they're not already out of date. Well, but here's the, and here's, you know, what I think is the curious trade-off is that if, if uh, the sale is, or the sales point or whatever is, you know, we've got, you'll have the ability to, to um, have access to a text that can be updated constantly and, you know, hopefully would be sort of pre-planned to be that, to be, you know, you sort of buy into, say, a publisher or, or um, a version of a text or something that, you don't have to worry about it being out of date, but the hardware um, could be out of date. I, I well, mean, but you... think about it, because this model, the way they're using this, the way they're viewing this model and the way it's been implemented is just like the App Store model, right? When you buy an app and a developer goes in and updates that app and fixes bugs and updates, you know, adds new levels to a game or, or you know, whatever they do, you turn on your App Store and it shows you in the little red badge, it says mm -hmm. you have a couple of updates. You can go download them for free now. Go ahead and download them. The exact same model now applies for textbooks. So you open iBooks and you'll see a little badge that says, you know what, your, the publisher has released an update to your book. Go ahead and click here to download it for free now. That, that's, uh, you know, that changes the game, right? I mean, for right. students who buy these books once and get an updated version of this book every time it's edited, uh, that's kind of a big deal. So Yeah, it's, well... It's it, it, I guess it's a uh, it's an economy that uh, I don't think about often because I'm not necessarily in in, in school and and uh, except you know occasionally teaching and and then of course you know students textbooks are on every student's mind and that you know price tag shock pretty much every course they they take and wonder why even a used copy of a book costs so much that they're only going to use for a short period of time and they may, ne may never look at again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, you know, they may be the last of that, you know, five-year span and it's not available for resale anywhere or, or it's not worth much or the school discontinues it or, you know, whatever. But I've been thinking this through. And, and so I want to go back to your thoughts about, you know, you, you put something together and then thought, oh man, you know, there's not a mass market for this. So why would I bother? Um, but but I, I do wonder, I mean, if, you know, you look at this free program, you look at the platform, uh, and I've just sort of thought through, you know, could this be, would this be an advantage? Um, let's say I'm in a sales, uh, um, like I'm going out to do some sales calls or something, and I want to put some sort of a portfolio together that's multimedia. Is this any better for that than Keynote would be or anything else available? No, you know, and in fact, you know, if you were, if, if your design is to, uh, or if your objective is to create some sort of a portfolio display, 
you know, you still have, I mean, you already have tools that build in that sort of display kind of one way, you know, pushing information and, and Keynote on the iPad in particular is a great solution for that. It's, you know, it's, you can automate it, you can automate transitions, you can make movies play, you and, and, you know, put it out there and people can swipe through images. I mean, you can do all that stuff now. So there's a perfectly serviceable tool to build a marketing presentation that is, you know, available for that kind of pass across on the knee delivery uh, in a meeting. Yeah, that exists okay. now on ebooks. This is, you know, it, one of the things that I run into for clients is you is creating these sort of platform ebooks, these little ebooks that say, you know, here's what we stand for. Here's a bit of information about how we do our business. Um, and, um, you know, so you can it it's medium format. You know, it's not that sort of 50,000 word kind of novella. It may be, you know. Um, 10,000 words uh, that uh, allows us to show off a little bit about what we stand for with a few images. And for that, there is actually already a perfectly serviceable tool as well. And that's that's Pages. I mean, Pages, you know, as a two-year-old uh, or I think maybe even almost three-year-old application right now on the Mac allows you to do a, a really solid export of a basic EPUB uh, for distribution on you know, in any EPUB reader, and that includes, um, you know, any device that reads EPUB, uh, not the Kindle. Uh, Kindle has a proprietary format, and that is much to the, you know, kind of consternation of uh, publishers. You still have to convert an EPUB to the Mobi format to get it on a Kindle. But that, you know, once you've exported it to an EPUB, it's a perfectly easy, you know, process to convert the EPUB to a to a Kindle format document. And then you have, you know, you have images that float kind of with the text it's a document that can handle being rotated it doesn't give you you can even you know include video in it if you're on a kindle fire and an ibooks uh, you know on the ipad you can have that level of interactivity and you get you know sometimes when you're browsing the store you'll see a version of a book and then another version of the same book for a few dollars more that says this is the enhanced version and basically they've they've thrown in a couple of movies uh in each chapter um you know how how about this application? How about corporate training? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, where iBooks will work really well, iBooks author will work really well, is if you can guarantee uh, platform consistency. And in a corporate training environment, particularly when you look at the, you know, after Apple's incredible earnings announcement this week, um, where you're seeing that Apple is owning the corporate market in terms of tablet saturation. I mean, there is just no discussion. And and on top of that, by the way, uh, again, that was incredible news, actually. But uh, Mashable has a little article out today about um, the percentages, it basically showing that corporate America is preferring uh, iOS to uh, both Android and BlackBerry, which, you know, it wasn't that long ago that BlackBerry was the corporate standard. Yeah. And there were a lot of corporate IT departments that were very against adopting or having anybody on the network with an iOS device right, right. because they thought it wasn't secure and it didn't really work with Exchange and or Exchange Server or whatever. And and uh, and so BlackBerry really was the, the default standard. And to see iOS as um, the sort of new de facto uh, preferred platform, that's yeah, that's that's. Really, that's new ground that I don't think many people ever would have 
Well, I know for, you know, you, and you probably had this conversation with plenty of, you know, if you ever talked to sort of the corporate IT guys, uh, uh, with a lot of different companies, um, they just didn't see it ever happening. And, and the conversation generally was, well, Apple will always be a consumer company. They always have been. And of course, yeah. they're great with education and because um, historically they were. Uh, this, I think, for them is is them saying, okay, look, we've, we're, we're really getting a hold now. Uh, we're getting real traction in the corporate world, but we've lost traction in the education world. I mean, that's sort of their pitch anyway when they uh, release this. Who's pitch? Apple's? That's Apple's pitch. I mean, yeah. when they released this, that was that was sort of their presentation was, you know, we've we this is part of our, you know, education is, is part of the roots of the company. It's always been important to us. We want to get back to that. I think that really was just a sales pitch. I don't know how real that was, but um Oh no, I yeah, no, I think it's very real. I mean, I think this is a I I think um I think it would be tough to argue if you if you go back in time and sort of plot out Apple's moves across different industries and and how their manufacturing plans kind of line up with their uh, the way they have um, kind of reconnected across industries. There was a time that that some say were kind of the dark years for Apple uh, in education, where they were closing down educational sales units and they were you know they were. Um, you know, really sort of dismantling their educational infrastructure apart from, you know, group sales for districts that still wanted to put, you know, IMACs in the classroom. Uh, but what you see in this sort of resurgence is that, and and could make a case for, is that, you know, Apple is a, even as the largest, now we can say the very, the, the largest computer manufacturer in the world, uh, having just uh, to overtaken HP, um, that all of those moves really fit into this broader fabric of strategy um, where, you know, you're seeing this, this, the halo effect. And I, you know, I, I think we can't, you know, we talk about the halo effect in corporate it where executives get their, uh, their first iPhone and realize, my God, this is a great experience. I want this great experience elsewhere. I'm going to go buy an iMac. Uh, we're also seeing that in education where you're seeing, you know, teachers, educators, come in with iPads and saying, you know, I'll bet we could do a lot with the kids. Uh, we should really start reevaluating Apple. And well, that, and that is, you know, it's an interesting how that halo effect works because in, in the way that you're describing it, because I think just to sort of rephrase on the corporate level, and, and I certainly felt this way for a long time and know a lot of others who did as well that, okay, when I go to, to work, I'm on a windows machine and I, there's nothing fun about it. It's very utilitarian. But when I go home, I've got my Mac, and that's just fun, and I like it, and and um, and that was the way I think the world was for a lot of Mac owners for right. quite some time. And and over time, it it was, you know, you find an opportunity to say, wow, you know what, that thing that we want to do that that you're talking about, you know, you're talking to your your boss or coworkers or whatever, that that's a great experience on the Mac. If we could just get one Mac machine in here, um, you know, and off. Oftentimes, that maybe was a, a graphic design problem mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But um, and then the same thing with education. I mean, if you have a majority of your students owning iPhones and iPads and saying, "Man, this thing is awesome," uh, or, or teachers, you know, or the principal or whatever of a school district, um, uh, or within a school district, that's a, another way. And I actually hadn't thought that through. I mean, the, the logical way you're talking about the halo effect working is moving into 
you know, from personal users into the institutions that they spend time in or, or belong to. When it's interesting. You, when, when you think about what, you know, what a lot of these tools on iOS uh, do, you know, I, I think you cannot understate. Uh, it, well, it, it's a perfect framework when you look at iMovie. Um, you know, we think of iMovie as a very easy to use desktop video editor for the Mac. And then you open iMovie on the iPhone and you realize that you can create video on the iPhone, edit it, add titles and upload it to YouTube without ever touching your desktop. Mm -hmm. Now, I do this all the time when I'm teaching. I, I do, you know, weekly video updates for my classes and they go out to YouTube as as kind of private videos and that are then that I then, you know, post in my uh, online course rooms uh, and can see the way that changes the dynamic in the classroom. Right. I mean, it is it's it, it's enormous the impact that these videos have on students who in, in you know, an online sort of distance education um, circumstances often feel that sort of, you know, there's a separation, there's a void between the instructor and the and the class. It feels so automated when all you're doing is seeing people in in forums, and chat rooms. But that video adds another dimension. Apple has has done for the consumer what Apple has done for the consumer in making these tools as easy as they have is really open the door for for seeing. Um, for for creating momentum in the educational context that we do have never had uh, f for, you know, building this level of interactivity and allowing students to engage in, in content uh, more quickly and more effectively than ever before. I've got, you know, I'm seeing um, teachers in special ed, you know, my, my wife is a speech pathologist and works a lot in this area and teachers in special ed have their iPhones and they're doing video recordings of their students in therapy uh, and showing them over time how they progress and they're doing it all on their iPads and they're not even, uh, you know, it's not even touching um, the net. It's just the ability for these students to go back after a semester and watch the video of their own progress. Teachers for years have not been able to do this because it was you'd have to check out a camera, you'd have to, I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of rigmarole, you have to learn how to do it, you have to manage tapes, and now they're doing it so quickly and easily, it's changing the dynamic in the special ed classroom. And and I think we're seeing, you know, that that's just one blip on, on how these tools are actually affecting education. So it's a big deal. So, and if I think about, uh, you know, how apps and, and the app store in general, um, you know, iPhone apps and, and then Android apps, um, how that created a whole new industry essentially and allowed people, you know, both big time publishers and developers, but also, you know, a, a college student or a couple of guys in their garage um, to get in on that economy. Does iBook Author uh, allow individuals or small companies to compete with larger publishing companies for? Um, either the existing market or creating the creation of new markets? I think so. I, you know, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I don't think we know kind of how it's going to play out. If you look at the textbook side of the iBook store right now, um, you know, there's still the same textbooks this week as there were last week when it was announced. And so, you know, obviously they had these partnerships with, uh, um, you know, and this was, looks like Pearson and, um, uh, McGraw-Hill for a couple of key high school textbooks, algebra, biology, chemistry, geometry, you know, they, they go across the, 
the kind of spectrum. Um, and so we haven't seen yet the flood of iBooks created textbooks that I think will come. But if you look at what it takes to actually become a publisher, you know, I went through this this process to see how it works. And it's, it, you know, you go in, you sign up for iTunes Connect with your Apple ID. iTunes Connect is their publishing uh, platform uh, service that allows you to publish a book or an app or music, whatever. It's how you manage your, your sales relationship with Apple. And, uh, you know, it, it took me about a half hour to go through the process of, of applying. There was there were no particular roadblocks that I couldn't, you know, get over. I could find my, you know, employer identification number, federal tax ID number, all that stuff you put in there and you click submit. And a day later, I get a nice email from the uh, iTunes Connect program saying you've been accepted. Uh, there were no questions, even though I have no products in the queue to offer. I was I am now a publisher. Now, I am enabled to create a book, to publish it to the iBooks format, and to upload it to iTunes Connect for approval. What we don't know is, uh, you know, in terms of the sales process, is just how rigorous Apple is on reviewing each submission. And historically, if like you look fact at fact checking, apps, for instance, I, yeah, that I don't know. I don't know if they're going through fact checking to do this. I mean, you, you know, uh, there are books that you can download in the iBook store that have typos in them. So are they looking at quality control from from that standpoint or are they looking at quality control from a, a fact standpoint? Are they having some expert review the Algebra One textbook and take months to actually give you an editorial review? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, um, And so I think that, you know, that may be why we see a little bit of a slowdown. But I want to get back to this issue of corporate training, because this is a, you know, this is kind of a big deal that you brought up. And I hadn't made, you know, I, I hadn't kind of gone there. But once you are in an environment where you can guarantee that, you know, your platform of, of distribution is consistent and you have a, a room full of managers or, you know, staff that all have iPads, then you can create you know, certainly some of the most robust digital text that you've ever been able to create on iBooks Author. And you can do it all at a desktop, you know, without need, the need of any special equipment. Um, and then distribute uh, that iBooks file that you publish on your own internal website that people with one click from the iPad can download, open in iBooks, and be using your corporate textbook immediately. Uh, that's a big deal. Well, and, and I think that's, you know, possibly an area for, you know, the, the smaller time entrepreneur um, to either contract with a company mm -hmm. or, um, or develop, you know, some training that they can go around and sell to companies. And, and that's the thing I'm trying to think through is, you know, um, could this, could this you know, create something that wasn't there before. I mean, could people with a certain skill set, um, you know, uh, develop really a um, a career out of this, or or at least some short term, you know, project? Uh, um, and and I, you know, I mean, I think that um, on the one hand, I, I mean, if you <laughs> if you had the ability, if you had the skill set to help a company that already di did good, you know, corporate training or uh, developed, you know, good training, if you had the ability to help them translate that to um, the iPad, you know, that, 
that no longer is necessary, right? So some right. people may be, uh, may have been making a living doing that. Now that doesn't, I mean, now you've got companies who may have, may have thought that was a good idea. Like, well, you know, we, we develop our training for, I mean, it's maybe it's even still mostly just hard copied uh, training manuals. And they've been thinking, well, the iPad would be a great device, but we don't know anything about that. We'd have to bring in programmers or, or, you know, whatever, we'd have to hire some people to, to do that. We don't already do rich content, um, you know, like for instance, videos and other things maybe weren't even part of the training they were doing. Um, but they thought that would be a good idea. Um, but they just didn't have anybody with that skill set and didn't want to go there. Well, now those companies have a really, um, I mean, there's no technical reason not to explore that if it makes sense for the environment that they're going to be using the training in, you know, i.e. everyone's going to have an iPad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, again, I mean, some people maybe have been making a living helping to transfer information, you know, to be used on a, on a tablet device uh, or an iPhone, um, which I guess that's still there. And I think that's, you know, I mean, that's, I think it's very interesting to think that that gap there has been is is in the process of being more or less eliminated so that um i mean i heard somebody early on describe and maybe it was even that apple had said this i think uh that you know this is like garage band for textbooks or whatever yeah which essentially means you know all of the i mean and this was true with um um with garage band but also um iMovie like you had mentioned that a, a lot of very expensive um, software and equipment, uh, also, you know, some very advanced skill sets were no longer necessary for at least a certain level of user for most people um, with those two programs. And so this one kind of does that, but this is such a different thing. I mean, it's one thing to say, yeah, I, I shoot home movies on my iPhone and, and with iMovie, I can create, you know, professional looking movies, but you know, the same, I have the same audience. It's my family and right. whatever, you know, um, a few friends, but with textbooks, it's such a different arena. It's not the, the kind of thing most people are, you know, I mean, people aren't creating textbooks. Uh, I mean, companies are M maybe some, that's why I brought up corporate training is kind of the only thing I could think of that was really, seemed to me like a very solid application that could be, um, I mean, it's still not your everyday user that's going to be able to do that, but it's at least something other than a big publishing company. Well, and I think that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's an important distinction. And, and I, you know, the, the user license agreement is interesting. Um, it's interesting and frustrating that comes with iBooks Author because, um, you know, what they've said is, Apple and and they've said it none too clearly uh, or they've they've said it unclearly I should say but the the way I'm reading it and I think the way many people are reading it um though there are some really loud dissenters is that Apple owns the for, the export format of the .ibooks file right so what they're saying is if you write something in Apple iBooks iBooks author, I should say. The format that comes out of that is a custom format based on EPUB 3, but we own it. We, Apple, own it. And that means we get to determine where you sell it. And so you are not allowed to take an iBooks file and earn a single penny from it 
through back channel sales. You can distribute it for free, but if you want to sell it, it has to come through the iBooks store. Which is which is maybe somewhat similar. It's not really. And that, and that is, I can see where that's just really frustrating for a lot of people. By the same token, um, I, I guess it's sort of this trade-off in their mind, perhaps, that uh, you're restricted in that way, in a way that's very Big Brother-ish, really. Um, but also, they're providing, I mean, the other side of the sword, I guess, or the coin, is that... Um, they're providing uh, an outlet for you to promote it or, or sell it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's sort of their a built-in way of promoting it. Right. They've built the ecosystem, and they're, this is, they're going right. to give you the free tools to create it. We built the ecosystem. We're going to earn our 30% off of every sale. And I totally get that. But what that legally precludes is creating an iBook file and selling it on your own. Like, I can't create an iBook file and sell it on my website. Uh, you know, or I can't, as a corporate trainer, I can't create my textbook in Apple iBooks and then sell it to, you know, my clients, right? I would have to find another way to, you know, and I think this is where that that sort of garage industry is going to sneak up, where I'm going to have to find a way to incorporate the cost of, of the textbook in services. And I well, think but that's, in a, that's but a very in a corporate environment, I think you're... Um... I mean, you're not really looking at the sale of each individual well, no, unit. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of myself as an independent. If I'm an yeah. independent contractor going in on a corporate training initiative, and right. what I'd like okay. to do is create my textbook in, in iBooks Author, I can't legally sell that according to the end-user license agreement, but I could certainly work that into the cost of my services. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, and, that's, and that's, yeah. But, you know, I, I think there's another... The, until you fig- you really look at what the actual problem is, it's easy to focus on Apple as you know, as you said, sort of Big Brotherish. But but the real problem is not Apple. It's not iBooks Author. It's it's um, you know, it's not their control of their own app store, which is I think it's their it's their playground. You know, they can, they can certainly take their ball and go home if they want. Um, but the real problem is that what Apple has done is given us an incredible tool to create books on the desktop. Uh, and what we want is an incredible tool to create books on the desktop that allows us to do it for all these other places. And Amazon is notably missing in this environment. I mean, the tools that there's a command line tool that you have to run from terminal to process your ebook and 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 prepare it for sale in the Amazon store. A command line tool. You have to code the uh the Amazon format you have to no code to create an ebook in Amazon it's all built around css3 particularly the new format the kf8 kindle format 8 you know it's all you can include rich media all the live long day but you have to know how to hand code it so there is an immediate barrier to entry and i think what many people are screaming for and we're really hoping apple would deliver is a desktop publishing tool and what they actually delivered was an ibooks authoring tool does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the the, the gamble um, is, uh, because I think there are people who are very happy with this, and there are others who are very frustrated with this, um, and a lot of other people who don't care or don't see where it matters to them yet, right? But um, uh, the, the gamble is, I suppose, you know, was this, is this enough because they're obviously wanting to, like you said, make their money off the, the 30% off the sales as they build an ecosystem. And the other part of it is they want to sell more products. So just, you know, as uh, 
um, the was the AAC format was unique to iPods. And if you owned an iPod and you downloaded music from iTunes, you had you could only play it on an iPod. Um, and they hoped that people's adoption of the iPod in that closed environment would promote sales of the Macs, uh, Mac computer down the line as people enjoyed their experience. And and that's been working for them for, for quite some time in, in that way. And it's been frustrating to some, but it's it's played into um, their long-term, I think, uh, growth and development. So does this do this? Does this, do people say, wow, okay, it's got some restrictions, but I guess I get them. They kind of suck. It isn't everything I want. It's everything they want, but, you know, I don't have to do, you know, I don't have to know uh, programming to use the Amazon one. I mean, this is going to be, and the iPad people love using, and it's got a, a mass adoption. So, it doesn't cover all my markets or all my end users, but if I can find the right environment for it, you know, I'll make this trade-off. And at the end of the day, maybe you've got school systems and corporations buying 50 or 100 or 1,000 iPads. Uh, and, and so Apple's made this trade-off where they have not made everybody happy, but a year from now or two years from now or whatever, they're able to look back and say, but look at all the, the growth that we've experienced and, and, and the mass adoption. But right. I think it's yeah. still a little risky, right? Well, I think it's, I think it's very risky. And just to your point, I mean, Apple has never is, you know, Apple is a company that sells hardware. They're in business to sell hardware. They make iMovie and GarageBand and, you know, all, they, they're able to make Final Cut Pro a $300 application, um, you know, because it sells arguably about Final Cut Pro, that's kind of a different issue, but arguably because the software drives adoption of hardware, and that is the opposite model of most other providers. I mean, Android advertising sells hardware, right? I mean, it's just a different way to yeah. to, to look at it. And, and you know, while the, the Android OS is, is free, uh, you know, it's a different, it's a different way to look at the model. And, and so if this, I mean, this is really designed as a gateway, iBooks Author is a gateway to Apple hardware. And if people fall in love with Apple, um, you know, with and need to buy textbooks because they are gorgeous and there is nothing else on the market, there is nothing else on the market like it right now, then this will sell hardware. But that's, you know, I go back to what the fundamental problem is and where I think there is great opportunity. I mean, what we this is a huge developer opportunity. There are there are independent developers that make incredible design software, you know, I mean, for creating um, for actually creating and building, uh, you know, web technologies. You know, I, I look at uh, uh, I use Coda and Espresso and uh you know, so Mac Rabbit and trans, uh, you know, I use Transmit from Panic. Uh, these these independent developers are expert at building front end interfaces for complex coding projects. And what we need is a front end development environment for complex ebook projects that allows us to use all of the tools we want to use and export to all of the formats we want to export. Well, what's what's That's Adobe's what's Adobe's tool e EPUB? Well, e, what is it? What's it called? They've got something that apparently is several thousand dollars. You that... know, they are you talking about their their magazine publishing thing that that Maybe. production houses? They, it's a weird, oh man, it's so weird. So most of the 
newsstand based magazines in Apple's store are produced using, you know, uh, the Adobe suite. And so um, what they have done, see if you it's, can find it's the name e- of it. Yeah, it's, it's an e publisher. Yeah. And, and what it allows you to do is take InDesign designs. Uh, layouts and convert them to an e-published document, right? And and that ends up being a a complex combination of you know PDF and image and HTML uh, that is only viewable inside of their reader. And their reader is you can get it as a standalone. Uh, I don't even have it installed on my iPad anymore. I can't find it. Um, they have this standalone viewer that you can download as a developer to actually see your your publication. Or then when you sell it, it shows up in in the iPad store and it downloads. You know, the reader is a part of the application, right? So the content and the application end up being together, and then it allows you to download new new editions and that sort of a thing. And and where you know where Adobe is really focusing is on the major you know, magazine publishing houses. And you can tell when you look at their pricing because, I mean, their pricing, um, right, You it's like you can't even get in to purchase this tool uh, unless you are forecasting selling 25,000 or more copies, right? It's like e- EPUB editions or something, Adobe editions, I think is... Maybe is that what it is? I'm looking and I can't find it. Um, now, somebody referred to it on an online board uh, the other day and... I had never heard of it before, but yeah, Adobe's that was digital editions, right? I mean, it's it's really designed for big, um, for big publishing houses. I think I I don't know. I mean, I it's uh, but does it do what you were saying? I mean, no, it doesn't, I, no. Okay. It, what no, it doesn't let you do is take advantage of the incredible, rich, um, rich media experience, and that's what we need. That's what HTML five and CSS three built into these EPUBs. Um, allows you to do is incorporate these this sort of rich web experience inside of mm, of these publications okay. and so i you know i i just think there's a hole and there's a great opportunity for independent developers so that's my take on it uh, as someone who writes ebooks and looks to get content out for you know audiences um that's what that's where the hole is and and the opportunity is so i you know i think people i i think the bottom line is people get all upset at apple for writing this application that is, you know, of such limited scope. Um, and, and I think the upside is that Apple just set the bar uh, for creating electronic books. Um, and, you know, we, we should look at that for what it is. And if you want to create a textbook for sale to a school in, and you want to distribute it for money, there is an ecosystem for that. And there wasn't before. Now there is. And, well, and I will be, I, I, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe no one thinks this will happen. I don't know. But but it does seem very possible that this is being released this way with these restrictions uh, and, I don't know, you, you know, packaged as is right now. And maybe a year from now, the feedback is so strong one way or, or another that either the, the restrictions change, the pricing structure change, the capabilities of the free program change. Maybe there's a free version, but then a paid version that does more. You know, I mean, I I, I, I wonder, because Apple doesn't tend to do this. A lot of companies will release and say, well, we're, we're going to wait for the feedback and and modify it. 
um, we're yeah, going to release this yeah. version and this is a beta version and then we're just going to sort of, you know, evolve it. I think Apple tends to say, no, you, you didn't even know you needed this. We figured out that you did. We've thought this through a hundred different ways. This is it. You, you know, we've, we've, we've already determined what it will and won't do a year from now or two years from now. You know, that tends to be their attitude upon release. But even the iPhone, you know, Steve Jobs initially was not convinced that the App Store or, or that um, third-party apps were even, you know, something that made sense for the product. But, of course, you know, that was an important change of mind. So I wonder. Well, I, you know, I think that's, I think that's a, a, I think that's a good thing to wonder about. I, because, you know, I mean, what Apple has proven is if they really believe there's a market they will pursue it. And I think I've said this before. I mean, where Apple really excels is uh, is entering markets where there is already an established power vacuum, right? Or a power structure, right? A locus of energy. And right now that's in, uh, you know, publishers have a lot of power and Amazon has a lot of power. And so Apple is sort of the underdog in this market. Uh, their iBook store is not blowing the doors, barn doors off. I mean, it's just particularly compared to the Kindle. And these textbooks are such showstoppers when you actually end up looking through them and swiping through them. You know, if you look at them as a kid sitting in algebra class uh, and not as a, you know, an old pundit, you know, with the smoking jacket on, you know, you look, you see real opportunity and you see a real way to, to, to look at this. And I think if Apple goes into this and is successful with these, um, you know, with these textbooks and they also see a market for establishing a you know the tool for editing books not just the garage band but the final cut for well and that's that's honestly something that's a little curious to me because uh i would think it it, it just sort of you know you've opened up a, apparently an ibook textbook and you think it's you know a great experience um i guess if i thought apple's only goal here was to sell big mass quantities of ipads partnering with big publishers who've created, you know, textbooks at this sort of top level that you originally, you know, kind of started talking about, um, you know, these sort of five-year existing sort of books being transformed into digital books. And, you know, I guess I would have thought if, if that's, if that's what I thought Apple's singular goal was, I would have thought they would release iBook author and uh, what is this iBook two or whatever, with having already worked with an existing publisher who created some really fantastic textbooks that could be that people could get their hands on and well, they and did then they did i mean there are 15 textbooks in there from harcourt and you know mcgraw hill and pearson that didn't exist before that did not exist before well, I, that, that i didn't get i thought the textbooks already were there and this was just a new tool for other people to access it is both of those things, but they had to have, okay. you know, textbooks in there to, you know, showcase what this stuff could actually do. Oh, I thought those did exist before. Never mind. No, so they're, they did they're that. brand new. And so you can go in and buy them for fourteen ninety nine and and actually see them. And they released the first two chapters of Life on Earth, a, a, you know, sort of an ecology textbook that, um, you know, and actually see what it's like. Those are free, the first two chapters and the re remaining chapters as they are created uh, will be available at a, uh, according to Apple, a modest fee per chapter. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's sort of an interesting. Uh, Do you think that this speaks to both, uh, and and let's go back to, kind of a, 
what I perceive as a Steve Jobs um, ideal, uh, which is both making money, but also being part of the creation of content and, and developing, facilitating content creation as sort of a contribution to the world. Do you do. think it does both of those things? Yeah, I do. I, I um, you know, I, I think, uh-huh. uh, I think Apple, they make a big point about saying that Apple exists at the cross section of technology and liberal arts. And I think they mean that, you know, I, I think they really have a, have, have worked hard to, um, cultivate an image of being uh you know an education company uh not just traditional education but educating the world on what you can do to tell your story well and and that right there just makes me you know i'm just very stuck on this notion that um that there has to be more use and application for individuals and small um groups you know Instead of just, you know, for what we just described there, that, you know, crossroads of liberal arts and, and uh, technology and uh, and something that can allow, can facilitate content creation, it can't just be for large publishing companies. So they've already partnered with 15 and, and now there's some great textbooks that are going to have application, you know, for schools and universities and whatever. But um, But there just has to be you know, uh, more opportunity than I'm able to sort of process right now for individuals and and smaller groups or for uses for this that maybe we just don't see coming in the next six to 12 months. Well, you know, I hope so. I I hope you're right. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, like, like we were saying, Apple, Apple is going to have to see, the opportunity, um, you know, c- to create and, and distribute content, uh, you know, as a as a market as a, a a market reality, and I don't know that they actually see that. I think they see that. I think what they're focused on is, you know, let's create great content that exists on our devices because that's the world we live in. Well, and I guess as the parallel that I hope is coming, you know, with apps, apps were created and then third party apps allowed initially just to sell more iPhones, and they did. But then the App Store, of course, became, you know, a, a, a major revenue source. And so iBooks, or iBook textbooks and iBook author, right now looks to be created to facilitate the sale of mass quantities of iPads. But perhaps at some point, since there is that 30%, you know, built in that, that uh, you mentioned, you know, perhaps there is, or perhaps there isn't. Uh, a future sort of cottage industry of um, content creation by people other than publishing companies. I hope so. I, yeah. I do. I, I hope so. Um, I'm not, and and I hope that uh, that's what I'm saying. Like there's a there's a real vacuum in the in the actual tool, and because the the rest of the tools, uh, you know, that go into creating these iBooks, are, you know, essentially open standards, there's a real opportunity for a, a small publisher to get in there and, and create something or, beautiful. Or for a creative content consultant, business consultant, yeah. to go to a company and say, here are some ways that we can, um, you know, I mean, we talked about corporate training. So, you know, someone could come in and help uh, a company, you know, create um, 
I don't know, a training program or whatever, but maybe there are some other things about this. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm just trying to think through like ways, ways that companies want to be able to speak to their customers, to their clients, to their, um, to their market, or just internally speak to their employees that a tool like this might allow uh, a creative consultant to, to step in and facilitate, you know, where they're mostly, like you said, selling their time. They're not creating a book that then they're just relying on the sales of that book, but the, it's their, their time and service in helping, you know, um, utilize this tool to, to help a company maybe do something that they've thought they'd love to get around to someday, but just couldn't really, um, bridge the gap between the technology needs and know-how uh and and the content that they've already got or already have some um concept of how they want to communicate yeah no i think you're exactly right i think that's where the that's where the real opportunity lies and i think we just need to see some some content so you're going to need to write that book yeah and uh and then get it out the door or create that company yeah (laughs) this is good i you know i think there's a huge opportunity and i think it's a I think it's a great ecosystem and I, I'm excited to, to get some content into it. Um, you know, as a, you know, if, if, if you're, if you play high and wide with the end user license agreement, I mean, you can always export to PDF and have a nice graphically rich, uh, document PDF document that you can distribute. And, um, you can always distribute the iBook for free, um, it, it it's a great it's a great tool for for visualizing the way you want your content to. So hold on, now is that possible? I I, I could create a textbook and decide to sell it, and Apple takes thirty percent, or I could create a textbook and decide it's free, and Apple gets nothing. Right. Okay. Yep. Got it. Well, and you you don't have to if you decide not to make any money on it, you can distribute it off your website, and and oh. people can download it from you for free in PDF, in iBook format, whatever, as long as you don't sell it. In PDF, you actually have to end up cropping it because it's they put this dumb iBooks author logo on the bottom of it, and I've mm. I've searched through the project files uh, for the application. I can't find that actual logo to hide it. But if you crop, and you know maybe this is uh, let me see here. I can actually tell you this is a this is the secret resource. The crop fu- factor R. If you can if you crop the top and bottom at one point zero five three inches. And the left and right at 1.425 inches on the resultant PDF, you get a beautiful full screen, uh, no stupid Apple border document with no Apple logo on it at all. You didn't hear that from me. No, but uh, I'm once again just amazed you're that far ahead of the rest of us in <laughs> understanding how to use this brand new application. Well, it's a fun application, and I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll put my test book out there. Uh, it's the, uh, I put the first chapter of my zombie novel that is as yet unpublished. Well, I, that's interesting because, <laughs> you know, my idea and the reason I'm asking all these questions is I actually have a sex education textbook in mind. Oh, I'll bet you do. do. So, I'll bet you do. I don't know. Oh, I can't just, wait. Yeah. For me now, this is just like, wait a minute, that book I've always wanted to write. <laughs> Kid in a candy store. <laughs> Kid in a candy store. I That's can what do means. this now. <laughs> oh. All right. Call off the dogs. <laughs> this is good. Well, it's good no elaboration there. No, please don't. So, yeah, I mean, uh, a, a pretty uh, a- Apple 
uh, dominant conversation we've had here. We we touched on their revenues. That's pretty amazing. I don't know if we want to touch more or talk any more about. You know, that at I all. only I only want to say one thing, uh, and this was the pattern that I think is so interesting. Um, in in the iPhone was released in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. In two thousand eight, they sold more iPhones than they sold in two thousand seven. In 2009, they sold more than the iPhones than they sold in 2007 and 2008 combined. In 2010, they sold more than the 2007, 8, and 9 combined. And in 2011, they sold more iPhones than 2007, 8, 9, and 10 combined. Um, you know, they say buoyed on the the launch of the iPhone 4S uh, seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, but they sold almost a hundred million iPhones in 2011 and that's a pretty stunning, stunning number. Well, the only thing we didn't talk about Pete that I wished we would have, and and we'll have to save this till next time, but uh, Kim.com of mega upload. Oh man, that is well, fascinating individual, fascinating story uh, that I think is still kind of uh, unfolding. Uh, So yeah, we can talk about that next time. It's a, it's a great story, the mega upload story. And in the context of SOPA and PIPA, um, you know, and the, the um, you know, what happened last week uh, mm-hmm. as a result of the Internet protests, we didn't say anything about, you know, the, the web going dark for a day. And uh, so much impact. we didn't talk about. There's a lot we didn't talk about. But but in terms of, you know, I think we hit the, the right thing. I book, this iBooks author thing is, you know, it's. It it is the gateway drug for for this evolving EPUB format, and again, like GarageBand did, allowing you know end users and and garage you know garage artists to create really studio quality music. What iBooks Author portends is independent authors who are you know able to take that next step away from the the mass market publishing industry and still get their word out to a lot of people and i think that's a big change and that's absolutely a you know content publication distribution is absolutely where we need to be you know talking so the other thing so so paper but the end the uh, did you see uh, this is just because it's an apple show did you see the uh, launch of the J, the updated jc penny uh, brand ads no uh, you should look at this. It's I because this I, the connection here is the former uh, Apple retail chief director, yeah, right? Ron Johnson. Chief. He, yeah. uh, you know, he took over as the CEO of J.C. Penney, and uh, what? And the first ad, double page spread in the New York Times came out, and it was, you know, their the tagline was, you know, we don't want to be the biggest retail store. You know, we want to be your favorite retail store, and you know, many are hailing this as. Ron Johnson's think different moment um, that that this is this is a chance for him to take the helm and, and do something really spectacular for a hundred and ten year old company that is as stodgy as they come and and uh, and so it's interesting to see what he is rolling out. I think we should you know we should have that on the list for next week. Okay, write it down. I'm you know actually <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to write okay. this down. So Ron Johnson is on the list. Johnson and. Dane's sex ed book. <laughs> Checking in on the sex ed book. And yeah, so we've got some things to talk about next week. Wow, and they've got this new logo. It's interesting. Okay, well, good. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. See ya. Bye. <laughs>